1: Hello, I'm Natalia Shpilova-Said and I'm a host of New Books in Literary Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm delighted to speak today with Oksana Rosenblum, Alev Friedman, and Angelika Hyzhnya, editors of Quiet Spiders of the Hidden Soul, Mykola Nikbajan's Early Experimental Poetry. The volume was published by Academic Studies Press in 2020. Lev Friedman is a Russian-born speech-language pathologist based in New York City. He writes and translates from Russian to English and facilitates translation projects and publications. His work has appeared in publications by Ugly Duckling Press and the Odessa Review. Most recently, he has written on the literary legacy of Mykola Bajan. Angelika Hejnya is a scholar and journalist. Her research interests include linguistic aspects of early 19th-century Russian and Ukrainian prose, Ukrainian poetry of the 1920s, and the relationship between literature and visual arts. And Oksana Rosenblum is a Ukrainian-born art historian and translator residing in New York City. Oksana's projects have included visual research for the newly created museums of Jewish history in Warsaw and Moscow, Her poetry translations from Ukrainian have appeared in Kalina Review and National Translation Month. Thank you so much for joining me today, and congratulations on this uh, translation project. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much, Natalia.
1: So, to the Anglophone uh, audiences, the name of Mykola Bajan is probably quite unknown. How would you introduce it? Well, uh,
2: normally I would lose any generalizations. Uh, in in this uh, field but if we are going for a brief formulaic answer then the 1920s was uh, I believe was the best thing that happened to Ukrainian poetry in the last century and uh, uh, an outburst of energy and creativity and Bajan's was the brightest, the most impressive debut of the 1920s. And, of course, we are talking about the debut per se, not the first book, because if we are talking first book, well, that probably should be china. But we are, if we are uh, talking about this beginning of the career, it should be Bajan. And this book uh, we composed, and probably I should say, this book rather than our book because we are just humble editors and basically it's Bajan's book, yes. Uh, So this book covers the scope of Bajan's debut 1923 to 1931 uh, with the earliest poem uh, written by 19 years old Bajan and... the last uh, text presented is narrative poem, The Blind Bars, which some consider his central text, and it was written when he was 27. Uh, one might um, assign quite a few isms to define Bajan's work. Of course, in the broadest sense, he was a modernist and he fully fits into the uh, paradigm of European modernism. Early in his career, when he is still in his teens, Bajan joins the pan-futurists. Later on, his creative intuition, together with his fascination with Baroque and Romanticism, carried him away from futurism, and I guess uh, that Bajan of the late 1920s may be best defined as expressionist. What stays throughout these changes is his fascination with texture, matter, matter of language, and matter of life. Though the truth is that uh, his work has its own logic that doesn't fit fully into any manifesto or aesthetic doctrine. Uh, With his futuristic exercises, he as if rescues, this is my understanding, He as if rescues and sets on display the words or sometimes just the clusters of sounds from the decayed discourse of romantic poetry. And now I'm talking 19th century Ukrainian romantic poetry, of course. He then amasses the uh, primordial body of language and he needs all of the language, not only its music, its transparency and beauty, but also its blood, sweat, semen, fat, sting, Dirt. Uh All that often, uh, uh, all of that often tied in impossible knot of syntax. And uh, um, because we are speaking about with the Anglophone audience in mind, there might be a temptation to assign Bajain a title of say, Ukrainian elite, uh and such. But I would consider it counterproductive because, uh, well, primarily because Anglophone audiences already uh, has its Elliot and pound. And Bajan, with his devotion to and understanding of Ukrainian culture, is first and foremost Ukrainian modernist. And I believe that he can be appreciated as such. So that would be my answer to this question, mm-hmm.
1: as brief as possible. Uh, thank you, thank you, Angelica. So, Angelica, you already uh, touched a little bit on the project itself, and, uh, and no, I'm not sure whether you can hear me. Uh, we could hear you. Uh, and uh, Oksana and Liv, uh would you add anything to this question about the project itself? What inspired this project? How you organize? I want to.
0: I want to address question. The previous question, and it's going to directly segue into my part of the answer for the inspiration of the project. And the question was to the Anglophone audiences, the name of Mikola Bajan is probably quite unknown. And that's sort of how this book came about. And I'll go a little further. To the Ukrainophone audiences, the name of Mikola Bajan, the way that we have read it and reread it and read it again, and even Nick Bajan, actually, another Bajan is also probably quite unknown. And now the inspiration for our Project Oksana. <laughs> yeah, that,
3: that's a great answer. Um, so um, I'm actually an example of, of um, Ukrainian, partly Ukrainian audience, because I grew up in Ukraine, uh, who didn't know much about Bajan at all. Um, and um, uh, I think that... Part of the reason was that as I was, you know, growing up and studying Ukrainian literature in the uh, 90s, there was such a huge focus on the uh, circle of the ex- executed renaissance, and Bajan didn't quite fit that, um, that paradigm, that, that circle. And so when I encountered um, quite by chance one of his longer poems, which I ended up translating for this volume, uh, Rozmova a uh, Heart to Heart Conversation, um, it was really quite a shocking revelation for me that someone of that, the poet of that caliber, um, of that imaginative power was not, you know, was not known as he deserved to be known. And so... Um, I basically sat for a couple of months with that poem, and I started translating it. And as I was um, uh, thinking about getting the rights for the future publication, I um, I was given a name of Liao, who um, who was in touch with the with Mikola Bajan's um, grandson, uh, who holds the copyright. And we met and and had a very productive discussion, and uh, this is how it all started.
0: So, I don't speak Ukrainian. I don't read Ukrainian. My my Ukrainian, so to speak, or my lack thereof, is then compensated by the sort of reductive Ukrainian that a Russian ear hears. My English is okay. My Ukra- my, Ukra- my Ukrainian is, uh, well, I make up for it with the, with the other people that, uh, <laughs> that I've surrounded myself with to, to help me and for me to help them. And I was ironically or perhaps sadly inspired by the fact that so many people were in the precise situation that Oksana described. I found these people a little bit before I met Oksana, and I met Oksana because I found these people. And... It came from a much older Mikola Bajan, not a 19-year-old Mikola Bajan. Um, it actually came from my having discovered his, let's call it an expose on the massacre at Bavignar in outside of Kiev, um, a poem, uh, pretty much primary source narrative of what was left of a, of a massacre. Holocaust and how I wound up with modernist poetry is that I tried to bring that to people that hadn't heard it and I was absolutely mortified by the fact that upon intended this poem was buried and like a lot of other things that were buried about Bajan or sort of cast aside and I knew nothing of the early Bajan and I I in fact um, Jean to me uh, was first as a was a person that did a thing later became a writer who wrote literature so to speak he was a, he was a, he was a person he was a person with a, a humanist act and Aksana um, came to me and I I was I thought I was already done I my, my mission was to have shown people that someone other than some other non-Jew bothered to catalog what happened to Jewish people in 1941 to 43 outside of Kiev. And I thought I was done. I, d- I did that thing. And then Oksana comes to me, and I, I, I established a whole world of contacts trying to get to this point. I wanted to get to the bottom of this, why this happened, and to get to translate it. And some of the people that translated that later, I, you know, remobilize them for this task and then then some exponentially. But Xana came to me and said that, uh, by the way, Bajan wrote all this crazy poetry that I didn't even know him about, says Xana. You know, somewhat literary scholar scholar of literature, certainly compared to myself. And I said, wow, well, this uh, seems to, I I, I seem to be hearing the same tune again, you know? And I was sort of, motivated to, again, bridge this gap. And it was something that we had to do because it simply hadn't been done. It should have been done, you know, a name that we just heard, you know, uh, T.S. Eliot, but we shouldn't even have to compare him to T.S. Eliot because T.S. Eliot did not write in Ukrainian and this is Ukrainian caliber. Why does that person need an introduction? Why do ukrainians need to be introduced why do you know english speakers don't need to be introduced to t.s Eliot. they need to be taught t.s Eliot when they are younger than us you know and so this this was what i was uh confronted with and i also was confronted with something i did know which was the soviet regime that i was born into and that had a very uh canny way of doing this thing to people and generally those people were meant to be found out later and we've have we've spent all of us have done precisely that and this just seemed to be another example of just how effective this sort of subtle uh, casting to the side to not be found for by people who cannot find what they do not know to find and that is precisely what we sought to you know unearth and the, this this, this uh, absolutely raging, but quiet work and quiet poetry that needed to be brought out, needed to be put back in context.
1: Mm Uh, I really appreciate how the volume is organized, uh, starting with the title of the book because it's uh, bilingual, uh, and you also include the Ukrainian version and the translation. You include the uh, critical essays, and um, uh, you also include uh, commentaries, which is uh, very, um, which are very uh, helpful. So, would you tell us a little bit about how you um, arrange this book, whom you approach? for maybe help or for some contributions in terms of um, critical uh, essays. And what kind of message did you want to send to the audiences by constructing, let's put it this way, by constructing this volume in this particular way, starting with the very first uh, page, with the very first uh, uh, encounter, so to speak, with a book with the title that it appears to the Anglophone audiences in two languages, Ukrainian and uh, English.
3: Uh, so I can start, <laughs> and then uh, Leva and Angelica, please add to that. So starting with the title of the volume, um, interestingly, um, although not surprisingly, this, um, it was suggested by one of our translators, Svetlana Lavochkina, who did a great job, amazing job, translating one of Bajam's, Bajan's uh, uh, most you know, important poems like The Night of Hoffman. And um, um, she suggested us this idea of having, you know, the title that does not necessarily translate exactly, you know, word by word from Ukrainian into English. So, and it um, resonated with us. And, uh, but interestingly, not everyone loved the title. Yeah. How so? Yeah, pretty, <laughs> yeah, we had some pretty strong opposition uh, from um, at least one person in the project, but we felt we felt strongly about it. We felt that it was, you know, sending a message uh, to the audience about Bajan's work, which, um, y- you know, which often has to do with dreamlike spaces um, for example you know in the poem that i was working on um rosmova serdez uh, basically it's a it's a fantasmagoria and the lyrical hero is kind of half dreaming half living it um so it's an important aspect of his work um in terms of how this um, came to be as a, as a project it um it you know it's it's a huge project that started you know very slowly and it started basically with tax search. So the first thing we had to do it was almost like an archaeological search for the for the text. And uh, you have to under one has to understand that a lot of Bajan's poetry was scattered, especially his early poetry. It's been scattered between. Um, the um, journals of the 1920s. Um, and it took us some time to locate those. And even uh, even some of the collection, like the sculpted shadow, um, I believe that we were in touch with the um, Bajan Museum in, in Kyiv about it for quite some time. It took us a good few months to get um, that collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we uh, we knew that we had together a team of translators, and we really wanted it not to be a strictly academic project, even though we wanted this to be a good work a solid work, and that's why you know, as you rightly you know noticed, there are notes. Uh, There are essays in this volume and we worked really hard on them. They went through multiple editorial stages. Um, But we wanted to really give freedom to our translators to explore different ways um, of translating because there are really different schools of translation and we didn't want to kind of impose our own views on them. Mm-hmm. And um, so so our team of translators included people who who were, you know, who were well-known scholars, like, for example, um, Amelia Glazer or uh, Professor Miroslav Shkandi or Ainsley Moores, uh, but also people who are, um, you know, younger, but, well, still, already well-known translators like Irina Shuvalova and Ostap Um or Roman Turovsky, who um, is not an um, is not a scholar, but is a wonderful artist and a musician. Um, and um, basically, um, yeah, basically, at the core of our work was, you know, this gathering this translation team and um making sure that people who are involved in this project that they have the freedom
0: to explore so um if there's someone who is alive and is i'm not calling out anyone who is alive and working on Bajan right now please give us a call (laughs) Um, but at a certain point that was the case um although i never did it on air if there was someone who was working on Bajan, who had worked on Bajan, who was tangible, reachable, amenable, we probably talked to them. Or we certainly not for lack of training. Um, here, you know, abroad, far abroad, um, people that had done translations of similar caliber. Um, uh, there. Are, is a whole constellation outside of the constellation of people that are in this book. I mean, 15 is a very conservative number, you know, um, if I had to make a web, pardon the pun of, uh, the amount of people that we approached and the people that they suggested to us, someone suggested there, you know, someone was someone who had written about Bojan said, I have a promising student that's doing some work on Bojan right now. Let me get you in touch. That person later wound up editing, the piece that the student wrote. That person, let's say, had written the book on Bajan but couldn't do this translation. You know, um, we're working with with family in different generations. Um, For every person that is in this book, there are probably three that weren't. this had never really been done before, and if it had, we wouldn't have had to and since we were doing it and it hadn't been done, we wanted to, to be given the freedom to be done and perhaps be done in multiple ways because if if no one has really seen this stuff before in a way that was then transferable, how should one dictate how it should be done? you know there is sort of no single rail to follow. So, um, you know, we have, for instance, who wrote our uh, blog, you know, um, there were other people in Ukraine who could not, there was a whole community, in fact, that pointed their fingers to her and said, uh, I can't, but she should, you know, her, uh, her contemporaries, you know, there were people that said, I can't really do English. You know, I wish I could. There were people that were saying, I can't really type anymore. While I've been working um, on Bajan, there are a number of his contemporaries that literally died, that I never got the chance to call. I had their phone numbers. You know, uh, Bajan's own, um, uh, in, terms of, in terms of legacy, say um, Fisbane, who was Bajan's uh, secretary at a certain point, his protege, he, he passed away while, uh, before this book was published. We could have gotten him into this book had, it, had there been a chance, could have interviewed him. There were, I, I don't mean to, uh, to highlight the effort but this was certainly an effort. You know, um, Halina Babak was devoting day and night to this, the person that wrote the, the introduction. Uh, I found a draft online, thank you internet, of what she was writing while she was writing it. She's like, you guys are doing this too? You know, um, uh, Professor Hraboy has been working on the Blenbards since, he's probably, he's been thinking about it since roughly Woodstock, right about 1969 or so, you know, where he um, ghost wrote the, uh, the nomination for for the Nobel, for who actually was the one that was credited for it. He was a student. And um, so, yeah, we uh, he agreed. You know, um, if there was someone doing this, we wanted them to help us do this. And um, what you see is the result of a lot of asking and a lot of prodding and a lot of telling people, I want you to do this, and then it was do what? have a look before you say anything, just, just take a look. And then the answer would be like, what? And then the answer would be like, I wish I could, but how? And then then the answer would be, well, I think I have someone who knows how, Mm -hmm. but can't quite do it. You know, maybe you guys can put your two hemispheres together, your, your knowledges of, of English. I mean, look at the different last names and the, you know, just in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, arsenal of, of, of translators and writers, and you get a, you get a small idea of, you know, the, peop- the people that we've put together. And we've tried to gather as many strengths as we could to balance ourselves out. Look at even the three of us right now, you know. So that, that kind of is one of the critical aspects of this book, people coming together.
1: Um, As you pointed out, uh, you have um, scholars uh, who contributed to this uh, volume, and they are not only from the U.S., but from Ukraine, for example, and from Canada. Uh, I uh, really enjoyed reading Eleonora Soloveys um, uh, afterward. Uh, which gave some sort of completion to the uh, volume. However, it's very hard to say that there is any completion to the volume because it still stays quite open. It invites further investigations, it invites further translations as well. Um, and I have this question uh, to you all as translators: what is the most challenging part of translating Bajan? Uh, uh, Oksana and Lev, you pointed out that uh, uh, you appreciate freedom which your translators enjoy, and you want to provide this freedom to your uh, translators as well. Mm, uh, but um, still, we, s- we, we still have to somehow translate Bajan uh, to uh, Anglophone readers, and we still uh, have to give them some sense of what Bajan is. Uh, so maybe just a couple of words on those most challenging aspects of translating uh, Bajan uh, in particular. And maybe just like a side question to this one. Uh, What is the poem or maybe a a prose fragment uh, written by Bajan that touched your soul the most? Um, I use the word soul because... Uh, it is included in the title of the uh, um, of the book, and I really like the title. I think it's um, it's it's very it's very deep, it's very rich, and of course it evokes other um, associations, particularly with the huhal as well, because we uh, always talk about different souls for Gogal, but why not for Bajan in this case as well?
0: Hidden souls versus dead souls, uh-huh. yes.
1: Yes, um, I.
3: I can start it's a it's a wonderful question, and also uh, it's it's an enormous question, Natalia. Um, but I, I could mention just a few things, perhaps that um, one of the most difficult things I found when translating Bajan is is simply his his language and his vocabulary. Yeah. It's incredibly rich and complex. And um, at times arcane, and um, um, he uses the vocabulary that you wouldn't find I- in a dictionary. And sometimes it's 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 simply because um, the these words are no longer part of the active language. Um, so you have to do you know some research um, to find out. Um, And and sometimes he is creating his own his own language, his own uh, vocabulary, which, uh, you know, a good example of of that are his um, more, you know, experimental futuristic pieces uh, like circus or the elegy for um, circus attractions. Um, And one of the examples I could uh, bring is um, the uh, the word from from his poem Imobe of Galam," um, and uh, Angelica and I had a special discussion about it because we really could not for for, for a long time um, find out what it was. Um, So the word, uh, the poem is um, basically is about the struggle of Senegalese people against the colonial regime, Uh, and uh, the vocabulary has some French influence in it. And the word that we stumbled upon was bambula, and based on the context, we it was really hard to say what it was and our ideas ranged from it being a, a, a kind of a drum to possibly being a, a flower that blossoms at night and um, we i remember that we had to ask the facebook community and um it was yeah it, it took it took some time and and finally we settled on you know the idea that this is um, this is some kind of a flower a baobab tree flower that blossoms at night but this is just one of the examples uh, of you know of what Bajan creates in his poetry and um, and maybe tomorrow you know someone comes in and and challenges our <laughs> translation is quite possible um, So, Angelica, would you like to add something? Because you, Angelica did a wonderful job editing the volume. She is really someone who worked deeply, engaged with all our translators. Uh, Well, yes,
2: to be precise, I served as a Ukrainian language
3: editor uh, for
2: this volume. So I observed all the struggle of our translators with the text or like if we are to describe translation as a sophisticated dance of two languages, I consider it is my job to look out for English, not to step on Ukrainian's feet, <laughs> <laughs> or like something is inevitably lost in translation. So I was trying to see that, we lose uh, I, I, as as little as possible, and just so speaking of difficulties, uh, I guess Oksana already mentioned the main difficulty, and the main difficulty is Bajan's language, and it's just worse. noticing. and I don't know whether it was the uh, it's fully um, supported by statistic, uh, but. I just know that Bajan is considered as a poet with the richest vocabulary. So in terms of how many words he uses, how many words he knows, like how many registers he uses, like he is the one. So our translators often had, difference, I mean, often had difficulty with uh, facing this Uh, well, uh, mountain or abyss for some, for some mountain, for some abyss of language. Um, And uh, his syntax and even orthography uh, at times may be a bit idiosyncratic. Uh, So uh, I just might recall there was this lovely, lovely words such as Mevo, Birgalka, Ligati, Sloop and of this birgalka was rather uh, usual in 1920s and now nobody remembers that it. it's uh, a place where people drink beer and leghate lehat- is a um, verb and last time I heard this verb was uh, 35 years ago from my grandmother, yeah. so I was extremely pleased <laughs> to see that Bajan knows this, uh, this word, but nobody else, I guess it was uh, for this project it was myself and Bajan uh, so I had to deal with um, the translator not knowing what is this and like, interpreting uh, it like, in a weird way or um, sometimes even his uh, um, morphology or spelling is rather confusing like for example there is this very regular noun it's uh, which means it's really same war rain something between fog and and, and drizzle and Bajan just converts it into Mm -hmm. and translator uh, cannot recognize this as so he thinks that it comes from as flesh and so uh, uh, I mean drizzle becomes flesh and, and then we have to deal with that or like sometimes the um, Abajan uses the epithets and it comes from folklore and it's not that clear for the translator that there is this folklore connotation Say. Um, uh, uh, it's a poem about captive maidens and uh, there is this adjective yasni and uh, translator uh, thinks "Okay, captive maidens, they are poor girls they are probably exhausted so he translates yasni as uh, uh, pale Mm -hmm. while definitely for Bajan it's not pale it's uh, um, fair, so it's more like fair maidens. Uh, so this is, I guess, this is something to keep in there. If there is folklore there, there is this folklore street, like it should be, it should stay. Uh, or there was um, a separate group of problems associated with the names of plants. And I guess this is a sign of our time. Because we are less familiar with botany, and definitely we see less nature than Bajan did. So, for example, there was um, this uh, line: "Zelená ruda prorostena žovtnou So it's literally, it's green rue will sprout on, uh, on the yellow sand. But uh, in Ukrainian. Uh, it, and in English, ruta or rue is two different plants. Like in Ukrainian, it's green plant with a bright red flowers. And in English, uh, ruta is uh, grayish. And it actually symbolizes uh, sorrow. So definitely rue in, the, uh, in English doesn't work for the symbol of hope, the way Bajan uses it. So, no, there was this layer of complications, and uh, this can go on forever. Oh, I, I should pros- uh, the last thing I should possibly um, um, mention aside of, uh, uh, is side of dictionary is the syntax be- because his syntax sometimes is very complex, so it's really difficult. Like if you are not as immersed into this and not as familiar with the language especially so there is difficult language and difficult syntax and the two combined together sometimes people were were uh, unable to understand what whereas, uh, to define subject and predicate in a sentence so literally i had to do this plain very plain translation plain unimaginative but uh, they would explain what's going on in the sentence, and then the translator is free to render this uh, poetically. You
1: know. uh, thank you, Angelica. While you were describing um, how you were trying to um, find those meanings in English or for Ukrainian terms or for Ukrainian. Uh, Words. I was thinking about um, spider webs because it's really so complicated and intertwined. And um, you were, it sounds like you were working on this very micro level, micro levels of the language. And uh, those micro levels were opening up some other micro levels. So it's so complex, but uh, all these elements are so tightly connected that in order to give some translation, probably. Those web, webs had to um, uh, to be untangled, uh, um, or you had to uh, apply some other techniques to to um, somehow uh, translate and deliver uh, those messages um, in in English. But fascinating, fascinating description of um, how you were working with the language on all those uh, multiple levels. Thank you, uh, and Lev, what was the challenge for you?
0: First of all, uh, I just wanted to pun on the web. Um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg probably has a very nice archive, in fact, of conversations in Facebook uh, translator translation forums of single words. And for me, it was fun. It was just kind of like, um, have at it, guys. Here's a text. And every now and then I would check in, and in a place where I, where I saw nothing resembling Bajan, all of a sudden there was... Something between a conversation and argument, research, all of the above, pages of it. It's pages and pages of the comments about a word. Just one word. It's it's all still there. You know, some of these were conversations. You know, arguments. You know, uh, it was it was incredible. And at some point, I was chiming in. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was tempted. I was. I was. Uh, hello. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. I was almost tempted to apologize sometimes because I felt like, uh, forget the spiders, it was like a can <laughs> of worms that opened up, you know. So my challenge in translating Bajan is that I can't. I can't. We are all the audience and the readership of our own book, you know, on different in different strata. And I'm not an Anglophone reader. I was born in Moscow. I speak Russian. I've, I've, just, I've disqualified myself from it. <laughs> But I'm not a anything phone reader for this. I'm, I'm a reader. You know, I, I kind of, I wrote, I had people write this book for, for me. And so, uh, there was, uh, and, and, uh, you know, those who can't, well, I found those who could, and they found those who could. So for me, it was very easy. Like I, I didn't even have to ask myself whether I was competent enough. I was incompetent enough to do this. To produce a record of instruments I can't possibly play. Um, there's a poem in there uh, called "To My Friend," and after after um, Oksana and I were digging, we found these texts. I look at these texts, and with little I could I could gauge of just the, the feel of something. It was a, it was more of like a this weird synesthesia constantly. And I was I looked at it, and I knew I knew what I was reading. I was reading in Russian, not in Ukrainian, not in that Ukrainian. There is no that Ukrainian. So. You know, it's it, it's a richer. It's as as Angelica was saying. It's 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 something of itself. But I saw this poem to my friend, and before I handed it over to a person, and literally handed it over, I'm like, "Translate this." He's like, "Okay, what is this?" <laughs> so before I did that, and this was a, a person who had never been published translating Bajan until I found him, and he helped me work on that Holocaust poem. The poem is called "To My Friend," and this one spoke to me and it's going to touch on certain words that I already heard just now in conversation. So, um, there was, uh, the dry hysterics of the quill convulse on paper in silence, a ruthless heartless game of chase between the heart and the word and the manic pulse of agonies fills the quills chimeric twists. So as a poetic gastrodome, you take no notice how the year grows. You notate in your hysterical delight the squalid rhymes, the heart's rotten pulp. In fact, you try in vain to find an abyss in a flat word. And uh, yeah, there, there were all of it. All of it was happening in translating these very things. You know, there were people taking no notice of uh, how late it was at night. You know, and th- these manic, these manic twists and the chase between the heart and the word. All of it. So it was almost. Uh, it was almost a singularity being created. So that is my answer. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would like to go back to the afterword, which was written by Eleonora Solovey. Uh, and there is a fragment uh, in uh, her piece where she says that... Uh, uh, there is this need to rediscover Soviet literary uh, legacy and reread Soviet li- literary uh, legacy. And uh, this is obviously true for uh, Bajan. Um, maybe uh, would you uh, share just a couple of ideas on how or thoughts on how Bajan is rediscovered in Ukraine today? If your research touches upon um this aspect or maybe uh i believe Lev, Lev uh, you mentioned something at the beginning of our conversation that uh, too many unfortunately Bajan is not known even in ukraine
0: i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go out there and i want i want to be wrong i've spent years now wanting to be wrong he's not he isn't you know, um, I I hope that you know at least half half of this book is in Ukrainian. A lot of it has has the Ukrainian words on the title. I hope people will, you know, there there, he isn't isn't he isn't to the extent that he should be is. You know, there was a book recently, um, and it was actually um, uh Dan, who's a uh, famous Ukrainian poet right now, came over here while we were preparing our book proposal, pieces of our manuscript. And he was uh, here on tour um, of his new book. And he brought a copy of the book with him from Ukraine. We had no idea it existed. And um, a friend said, uh, Lev, you're working on, you guys are working on the Bajan book, right? Here's one. <laughs> we're like, here's one what? I remember, Oksana probably remembers this. Here's a book about Bajan, yeah. you know, and um, there we were. Uh, they're they're traveling from New York to Pennsylvania, uh, from Reading to Reading, and we're getting scans of this book from the bus. A friend is there. that was happening. So all so nothing, 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 and then something, you know, came out. Um,
3: uh, I think you're referring to Vera Heyva's book, right? So um, I mean, it was actually it's it's an important book, and it's the first biography of Bajan. Um, but it's not; it's def- it is not a definitive biography. There are still a lot of gaps there, and the hope is that as um, KGB archives has, have become open, and we actually wanted, we tried really hard to get access to some of those materials, but we were not able to mm-hmm. um, due to just technical issues. So that um, more of his, you know. Of his life of his fate will be known to people and um, um, I want to I don't want to disagree with Lev because I know that I know that what he there is definitely truth to what he says but I want to hope that there is more interest in Bajan right now and Mm -hmm. I've certainly seen more publications Mm -hmm. yeah um, kind uh, publications that illuminate different Sides of him, for example, his input into the film uh, uh, movement, and um, but but there is a lot that needs to be done, um, and um, yes, um, there is there is really a lot in the future,
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah,
2: yeah, and probably we should add like rather option. It's not even a matter of goodwill, but a matter of Money and sometimes even goodwill, you no, know, requires some money. Like say, uh, that same Vera gave mentioned. Uh, it was a while ago, I guess. But I guess nothing changed since then. That uh, and, uh, until now we don't have uh, academic edition of Bajan. So I think it. Uh, It shouldn't be actually about biography it should be about corpus of text yes the corpus of text should be accessible and uh, so that like uh, it's 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 poetry yes it's about text it's not about biography and we still don't have this academic edition we have this edition for among the poets of 1920 we only have this academic edition for rilsky and that's it mm-hmm. which is uh, ridiculous mm-hmm. so we cannot really talk about like uh, cultural digestion so to say of Bajan. Uh, we don't have
1: in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and there is a lot of Yeah, so
0: it's not it's not a question of uh bl- it's not a question of blame somewhat there is you know there, we need predicate in order to build we have to go back to go forward
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of need um, as well in terms of um, uh, maybe not reinventing, but uh, rediscovering, right? Uh, Even the 20s, the 30s and the 40s, which were constructed for us by the Soviet uh, criticism, by the Soviet uh, ideology. And of course, Unfortunately for some reason a lot of Ukrainian writers are perceived as uh, very traditional in terms of uh, how they are presented to audiences and uh, we always somehow envision them as old uh, poets uh, the best example here probably will be uh, Shevchenko who is always presented to us as, as our is as our Ukrainian father of Ukrainian poetry who is always um, um, shown, presented uh, in, in his um, uh, later years, but not as a young man who is uh, full of enthusiasm and full of uh, even um, humor. I think uh, this this is quite true for the Ukrainian writers of the 20th century as well. And unfortunately, uh, Bajan to some extent is also one of them. And again, well, I want to go back to Eleonora Solovey's um, afterward. Well, I I had this, uh, uh, I I had a great pleasure of meeting Eleonora Solovey when I was in Kiev. Uh, So I was very happy to to read her piece as well in your uh, volume, um, where uh, she uh, really presents him as a... A very complex uh personality with his own struggles with his own traumas maybe as well with his own fears and with his own battles with those fears as well and it's 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 on the one hand it's it's sad that this kind uh, this part of stories is lost uh to many readers but as you uh, pointed out there is this hope that there will be um new interest and uh, some new perspectives will be explored and uh, your volume is uh, one of those contributions to this uh, rediscovery. Thank you. Um, you. I would... Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: No, I was just saying, by the way, uh, you might find this interesting. The amount of phone conversation and uh, Skyping that took place to get uh, that afterward and just the discussion. what, what, What did we put in there exactly? What don't we put in there? How do we frame that, you know? And, you know, it it was a question that I, I mean, Slavik was never asked to do this before, you know, right, Right, you know, write an afterward about the early work of Bajan. It's like, and where do we stop? Mm And what comes next? You know, we we meant to cut it off and say to be continued. That's not an accident. Mm -hmm we didn't want to mention the other stuff because it's like a dot, dot, dot. And then the remains of the day, you know, what happens next. You know, we, we have pictures of these people, um, in their later years, we don't have pictures of these people because look what happened to their youth. You know, if you were born in year X, here's what happened to everyone in year Y. Some people were the executed Renaissance. Some people were the unexecuted, but uh, goodbye Renaissance Renaissance, you know, um, and invalidated for having survived, but just a whole other can of worms, so to speak. But yeah, I, um, you know just the conversation that went into well, how what, how do we formulate what what exactly are we trying to say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: So uh, my final question will be about your current projects. Um, are you working on anything specific at this moment, or you are just taking a break after you completed this volume? Mm-hmm.
3: Well. Um... As a team, we are not really working on anything right now, although I think I'm kind of getting um itchy <laughs> in that sense you know to because it was it was really wonderful to to have that experience of working with um Lev and Angelica specifically and I felt like um our collaborations um became so much stronger um so it remains to be seen. I mean we there was an idea, just as an idea, you know, to have a to to look at the later Bajan mm-hmm. and his later mm-hmm. poetry um and to have it translated. Um but yeah at, at this moment we yeah, we don't have any particular plans, but um, we'll see. Mm-hmm.
0: The first time I stuck my neck out, you know, my neck was found eventually. I I started with an article, one little article, which I thought would would kill me, the amount of work that went into that. Then we have this book. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, I have Aksana and Angelica. Should the next Aksana come by and ask us to do something, three times the magnitude, (laughs) perhaps, on later Bajan and everybody else? um, I kind of am sensing that there is more. I, I forget which scholar said this at some point in this whole Bajanathon who said, uh, you're you're opening a door, you know, mm-hmm. and we I, I just in the most recent uh, zoom reading that we did. Um, we keep we keep hearing this. You're 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 opening a door. You're, you know, um, it's an invitation. This book may be seen as an invitation—an invitation to please argue argue with us. You know, write more. You know, create the the anti quiet spiders. Mm-hmm. Just do something. <laughs> you know, or maybe we'll have to do something.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful, nicely put. It's an invitation. Um, Angelica. Um, well, I have some
2: uh, minor project, maybe, which is actually. Uh, which stems from this one because um, I worked. No, it's not that I worked. I, I think I should be more modest in this case. And I should say that I helped uh, one of our translators to work on um, the texts of uh, Bajan's uh, literary secretary, Moisei Bain. Uh, I guess it's almost a year since he, since his passing, but uh, yeah, I was able to communicate with uh, Fishbane back a year ago. Yeah, so there is there is that so there, it's still it's still a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean not every project is as swift and can can be taken can be done as swiftly as this one and of course like, You know, it requires a team to do uh, things. So actually, yeah, I'm I'm also looking forward. I'm pretty much looking forward to to working with this this exact
1: team. Mm -hmm. If it happens. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. And again, congratulations on this uh, teamwork and congratulations on this wonderful project. And thank you for translating Bajan into English and for making him um, uh, available uh, to uh, English readers. And uh, thank you for um, uh, this conversation today. Uh, Thank you, Oksana. Thank you you so much, Natalia, for inviting us. Today I spoke with Oksana Rosenblum, Lev Friedman, and Angelika Hyjna, editors of Quiet Spiders of the Hidden Soul, Mikola, Nick Bajan's early experimental poetry. The volume was published by Academic Studies Press in 2020. Thank you for listening to New Books in Literary Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network.